the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerdiel. Carol is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She was past chair of the board of directors of the National Council on the Aging. She's been a member of the Ray's Family Caregiving Advisory Council under the Federal Department of Health and Human Services. Carol has a master's degree in social gerontology, more than 30 years' experience in the field of aging and caregiving, and she's one of Next Avenue's top 50 influencers on aging. And Carol Zerniel, as someone who uh, happens to be 80 years old, if I were to get a penny for every unsolicited mailer I got trying to sell me hearing aids, I'd be a rich guy. Well, you know, aren't you glad that the the hearing aid industry is changing? And, and I am personally glad to be talking about hearing. Um, it's one of my, uh, an issue that I think needs more attention and if uh, hearing aids is a good way to, to to start that conversation, great. Well, perfect. And we've got a special guest joining us uh, to talk about that very subject. And uh, without any hidden agenda, I waive all HIPAA requirements. I had the opportunity to meet Dr. Johns, referred to him by my WellMed PCP. He is an audiologist. He's been helping people with their hearing here in South Texas. He grew up here, earned his bachelor's degree in communication disorders from and a master's degree in audiology from Lamar University in Beaumont, later completed his doctorate in audiology sciences and is specialized in the diagnosis of hearing loss treatment with people and their families. And he's been a driving force behind the mission to serve the community through his career in helping people hear better. And uh, I'm still chuckling, Dr. Johns, because when I went to see you, I said, look, uh, I'm here because my wife swears I can't hear anything and I need to do something about it. And I would maintain she just mumbled a lot. Gina mumbles. And you laughed and said, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Is it yeah. men who are reticent to go get help? It's not just men. It's uh, it's very common. And a lot of times we don't recognize that we have a hearing loss until it's much further along. Uh, And part of the fact is due to the type of hearing loss that is most commonly acquired over time and how we perceive it ourselves versus how other people are perceiving it. Uh, For example, uh, the most common hearing loss that we typically start to see is more of a high-frequency hearing loss gradually occur over time. And as we start acquiring that, things become a little less clear to us, but yet we still hear the volume of people's voices 
normally or like we always did. And so it sounds like the other people that are talking are mumbling or just not talking clearly. And because we perceive volume as being normal, the fault lies with them. They just need to talk right, as opposed to we're not hearing as well as we once did. And so, as your wife said, <laughs> you need to go get, get your hearing checked. It wasn't necessarily because you couldn't hear. It's that you were having trouble understanding, which is, a, again, a component to hearing loss. So, again, it's not just men. It's, it's everyone. And, Carol, general. what is it that drives you to this topic? Well, yeah, one of my favorite stories is uh, one evening uh, or it was a holiday at home and my mother and my father and my sister were all talking and I'm, I'm listening to the three of them. I have the best hearing in the family. <laughs> and I stopped them. I said, do the three of you realize that you're talking about three different subjects? <laughs> and I'm the only one that knows that what you're talking about is not what you're talking about, not what you're talking about. And I, I mean, it really happened. They were on three different subjects and they had no idea <laughs> they were talking about different things. Wow. Um, and so, you know, that what we see uh, in, in our field, working with caregivers, working with older people, besides the reticence, right, to, to, to get your hearing test, is um, a mis- probably a misunderstanding of the impact of hearing loss. What I'm seeing now, my father's 92, is as his hearing is getting worse, He's withdrawing. He's not engaging in conversation, right? He's not participating in life as fully as he used to because TV doesn't sound the same. Not understanding the plot. It's too fast. Even old movies that he used to love. He's like, oh, they're just talk, talk, talk. Um, And so he's missing out on activities he enjoyed. And so that's that's unfortunate. And can you encourage him to get help? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I would refer him to Dr. Johnson in a heartbeat if he was right now. And the problem is he won't go. No. <laughs> you can lead a horse to water. but <laughs> and, and something that you were just saying is, is very important because as uh, the hearing loss progresses, it's very common for what you were just describing to occur. Because we started finding ourselves struggling to participate in the conversation and follow along the topic so that there's not three or four different conversations going on at once. Uh, We start to avoid those circumstances that are more difficult for us to participate in, like a group conversation or going to dinner or going to the movies, plays, watching television, social engagements. And so a hearing loss can become very isolating. And with that isolation can come other factors like depression. Uh, It can be more difficult to uh, keep our mind focused over time. It can start affecting us cognitively and lead to more issues than just the hearing loss alone. Stay with me just a minute. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. We're talking with Dr. Roger Johns. He is an audiologist and a specialist in hearing and hearing loss, working with seniors and others, because, Dr. Johns, it's not just older people who have hearing loss. That is absolutely correct. In fact, uh, one in five individuals has hearing loss. That's a big number. 
yes. Granted, that number does increase with age. Um, and individuals between the ages of 65 and 74, it's a, about a, a large chunk of the consideration, in fact, about 30%. And then once we get over 75 years of age, half of individuals do have hearing loss. So um, as we get older, it's a very common uh, condition. Well, talk to me. I'm sorry, Carol, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things that you said that really caught my attention and has been in the news lately, you said that hearing loss can impact your cognitive functioning. And I've been seeing articles about increased dementia risk, increased risk of like an Alzheimer's or some sort of cognitive problems related to hearing. Is that true? Yes. In fact, a lot of research now is in that area. Uh, Typically, as the amount of hearing loss increases every 10 decibels, there's a 20% increase in the likelihood of dementia or the increase in incidence of dementia. And there's a number of things that are at play. Uh, Earlier, I mentioned that as we acquire a hearing loss, we start having issues hearing certain frequencies of sound. And so we're missing certain, in most cases, the clarity of the voice or certain consonant sounds. So the brain has to work harder to fill in those gaps. And the more we have to fill in those gaps, the more cognitive resources we have to employ in our brain and it increases the cognitive load. And over time, that increased load can actually cause our brain to start reorganizing. And as that reorganization occurs to try to combat the hearing loss or the deficit in communication so that we can actually utilize the sounds that are coming in better, it starts taking away from other areas in the brain and leaving less cognitive resources for things like memory, executive function, And so it starts causing more of a more of an issue. Uh, And that's something that I am becoming increasingly passionate about because so many individuals don't realize that even a very mild hearing loss can start causing changes in our brain that long term can seriously impact us later in life. You know, aside from my wife harping on me quite correctly about hearing, uh, I, I think I came to a realization that there was an issue when we started wearing masks in public because subconsciously, Dr. Johns, I was a lip reader. And the problem with masks, unless they're clear, you can't lip read. Now, I wasn't right. doing it consciously, right? But do a lot of people like me end up doing that? Yes. In fact, it is a, a basically a coping sh- skill that is developed as we acquire the hearing loss, we start utilizing other resources, which can include visual cues or reading lips, uh, watching facial expressions, gestures to try to fill in those gaps. And when we're doing that, we're actually using other parts of our brain uh, to do it. Instead of just the auditory cortex, we're employing other parts of the brain again, which takes away from memory and other areas. Now, I want to talk a little bit about technology uh, and uh, uh, the kind of help that is out there. Uh, More and more advertisements on television and radio and in print uh, because of changes in federal legislation uh, permitting direct sale of hearing aids to individuals. Let's talk about that as well. And I want to get an idea about, uh, you talk about the numbers of especially older people who, who need help 
where's the best place to go to get that help? And if you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. We'll come back to Dr. Roger Johns. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. Thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. We're talking about hearing and hearing loss about older people and younger as well. And Dr. Roger Johns is with us. He is an audiologist, a specialist in hearing. Uh, the technology that has developed in providing hearing assistance is phenomenal. As a kid, I remember my late Grandpa Eisenberg had a hearing aid and a big box on his chest with all the controls and a huge wire that went up and a clunky thing attached to his ear. And I can remember Grandma saying, Max, turn your hearing aid on. And he would fumble around with that big box, and he could hear again. We've come a long way from that. We certainly have. They've changed a lot. Just in the past five, ten years, uh, they've changed a considerable amount. And uh, earlier you had asked the question, where should someone go as a starting point uh, in their journey to better hearing? Uh, as an audiologist, of course, I'm going to say an audiologist because <laughs> that is our specialty. Um, at least to have the hearing evaluation so you know where you stand. From there, you can choose the best course of action that's right for you. Uh, you had talked about legislation opening the, the door. Uh, in Toward the end of last year, uh, over-the-counter hearing devices have been approved and are now on the market. Uh, I wanted to get into a little bit of a discussion on the different types of devices that are out there to try to help sort through the mess. Uh, there are different types of hearing instruments. There are personal sound amplifiers, which is a category that's separate from true hearing aids. Personal sound amplifiers are devices that are designed for normal hearing individuals just to help augment hearing for things like bird watching or hunting. If we get into hearing instruments, though, there are over-the-counter hearing aids uh, that are out there. Uh, and with over-the-counter hearing aids, they are a good option for some individuals. They're designed specifically for mild to moderate hearing loss that is perceived. Say that to again, perceived meaning? Perceived. And I said that very specifically because the way the law is written you do not have to have your hearing tested. It's just your perception of having a hearing loss. And that's where it can get a little tricky and somewhat scary for the individual because you're diagnosing yourself. Uh, and if you start with a true hearing evaluation, you'll at least know if it may be a category that's right for you. So that's the first step. With the 
uh, over-the-counter devices, uh, they have to be adjustable in some form or fashion. Some are programmable with a device like a smartphone. Uh, and with those, you're fitting yourself in most cases. Uh, if you can think about it like cheater eyeglasses, uh, you can go get some. They may help for early vision loss, in this case, early hearing loss. But as the hearing loss is more severe, you would be much better suited by something that is a prescriptive hearing instrument, which is what is fit by the audiologist to a specific uh, specification based on your hearing loss and is verified to make sure that it is matching your prescriptive needs. Um, yeah, let me let me ask a question on that. So if I have gone to you as my audiologist and we've been working together and um, let's say my plan benefit, my health plan benefit for a hearing aid is exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. I've lost it or whatever has happened. It, you know, is that maybe a situation where I might in this interim period go to an over-the-counter? Because I've worked with you. At least I know where I stand as opposed to, I'm use the word going flying blind, um, but with no background in what my hearing actually is, you know, to it, so that it's it's this it, this is another resource, but really nothing is going to take the place of a professional who's given you, you know, can give you exactly help work with you to determine a plan. But sometimes the payers are not on, going to be on board with providing you everything that you need. You're right. And unfortunately, as you know, with insurance companies, it, it can be a challenge to navigate. But if the hearing loss, if it's appropriate for a mild to moderate hearing loss, there are over-the-counter devices that can help. It is certainly much better than wearing nothing. Uh, wearing nothing or going without is much more detrimental than getting an over-the-counter hearing aid, even though it may not be as wonderful as something that is prescriptive or more advanced, it is definitely preferable to nothing. And the difference, well, oh, go not, ahead, Carol, sorry. No, I was going to say, so the, I think the other misconception uh, with a hearing aid or, you know, a, a product that's fitted for you is that, is there some training involved? You're going to put it on and, and the world is all different. Um, is there something that goes hand in hand? What do you tell people who've gotten a new hearing aid specifically for their hearing loss? I love that you asked that because first and foremost, it is a rehabilitation process. Unlike with glasses where sometimes you can just put them on and wow, immediately you're seeing 2020 again. With hearing, it is a little different because we have to retrain our brain to hear at a more normal level again. And that does take time for the majority of us. And so it is a, a hand-holding relationship uh, over time where we work together to get you to that point. Very often when we start individuals out with their new devices, we may have them programmed a little below our ultimate goal to allow the brain to adapt more easily over time. What does that mean? Uh, basically, um, for some of us, as we acquire or obtain a hearing loss gradually over time, we lose our loudness reference for sound. So what becomes normal sounding to us is actually the hearing loss or not hearing as well as we should. And when we first fit that individual with hearing instruments, if they're set all the way at our prescription, particularly those who've had a hearing loss for a while, it is often uh, 
very jarring at first. It may sound too loud or too harsh or too tinny. And so we can make adjustments for comfort and allow the brain to adapt more easily over time, particularly with prescriptive devices. It's much easier to do that. And as we adapt to it, we can approximate that goal over time until we're there and we're able to wear the hearing instruments routinely without any issue. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see made uh, with people when they first get hearing instruments is they wear them for the first day or two and they find that, oh, things sound crazy or it's, they're not used to the way it sounds. So they put them in a drawer. And they stop they wearing them. Yes, they put them in a drawer, they stop wearing them, and they take them out for special occasions or when they go to church on Sunday. And in those cases, you will never do as well with the devices that way because your brain has not adapted to them and you're starting over every time you put them on. So if you're able to wear them consistently and allow the brain to go through the plasticity process and adapt, you will do much better over time. You'll find that they can be life-changing. And so is there, so I, my grandmother, I remember her saying, all I hear is silverware clinking. All I hear is silverware clinking. <laughs> and so <laughs> do you help people screen out hearing everything where it's just overload? Yes. In fact, the, typically the better the devices are, the better they can do that. And we can make adjustments to the frequency response in the hearing instruments so that things aren't so overwhelming and so annoying. However, and Ron, I'm sure you can attest to this, when you first get them, you hear things that you're not used to hearing. But it takes the brain a while to recognize some of the little extraneous sounds around you, like the air conditioner uh, walking across the floor. You know what it was for me? When I left your office, having been fitted with hearing aids, uh, I got in the car and I backed up and I put the turn signal on, and I never realized it clicked. <laughs> it makes a noise. Carol's laughing at me. And so for me, that was a, a, a new first impression. My God, it makes noise. What yeah, a great, it's like, it's like the leaves what on a the great idea. Rock. Yeah, when I got my glasses, there are leaves on the trees. <laughs> Same idea. Color. <laughs> and then the other thing was, uh, uh, we have three little kids, twin boys who are nine and a little girl who's 11, not so little anymore as she gets older. And I said to them, you don't have to talk that loud. I can hear you. And they weren't talking any louder than they normally did, but it was the first time I could really hear them. That's right. And as time goes on, it's probably not as shocking or different because the brain adapts to it. And uh, there's the, the key. Little sounds. <laughs> now, right. what about the differences in styles of hearing aids for people who are listening? Uh, because, you know, there's some vanity involved. When I was a kid, I was prescribed eyeglasses in the fourth grade, and I was embarrassed to wear them. And finally, a teacher said to me, you know, you can keep squinting and I can sit you right in front of the blackboard or you could wear the glasses your folks told me you have and life will be so much better. And so I started wearing the glasses. And, and there's some hesitancy by folks on wearing hearing aids. You're right. And there, there are many different styles out there. Um, nowadays, they are much less noticeable. Uh, than they were in the past. 
Um, there are completely in the canal styles. There are some that are receiver in the canal that fit behind the ear with a thin little line going down to a speaker that sits in the ear. Um, and I wear them myself. And very rarely does anyone ever notice them if I don't point them out. In fact, Carol, when I spent probably 45 minutes with Dr. Johns and I'm ready to leave, he said, you do know I'm wearing hearing aids, don't you? I had no idea. I've been sitting in front of him literally for 45 minutes, had no idea. Now, of course, I see them. Well, I'm, I'm amazed. I don't know how that little thin little wire that goes in the ear of my husband has hearing aids. I don't even know how that works, but it makes a huge difference. I can tell when he does not have the hearing aid on. Well, how do they work, Dr. Johns? What is, what is it it's doing? Well, the microphone on the style that you're talking about sits right at the top of the ear, behind the ear, and it connects to the, the thin line that is actually a, a, a wire that runs to a speaker that sits inside the opening of the ear. So the microphones pick up the sound behind the top of the ear and are processed, and then they send the signal down to the speaker and into the ear canal, getting the sound closer to the eardrum so it makes it a lot clearer. Wow. Well, we are flat out of time. You've been a great, great help. And if folks want to get a hold of you, is it all right for them to call you? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, if you'd like, um, our information for our locations is on the Internet at estesaudiology.com. Uh, if you'll just Google us or look it up, or you can call my uh, office directly uh, here in San Antonio at 210-614-0100. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Roger Johns, audiologist for Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us and for listening to us on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com